taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress. To the city point, giving him your best, nothing like the rest, passing every test. You know he's the one, yeah. Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress. To the city point, giving him your best, nothing like the rest, passing every test. You know he's the one, yeah. Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress. To the city point, giving him your best, nothing like the rest, passing every test. You know he's the one, yeah. Good morning, city point. Those that do not know me, I'm, I'm just happy to be here with you all today. I'm Reverend Andrea Clark Horton. Um, uh, your pastor and his wife are friends of mine, and they asked me to come and to bring a word. I'm, I'm thankful to them. Can we celebrate your, your pastor, your leader, in his absence? Such a visionary and such an innovative thinker. Like, I just... I appreciate how much I learned from him. I was He was a student of mine. That's how we met. And I appreciate how much I learned from him. Uh, I also want to just say thank you to City Point, to all the folks that are working during this service, all the folks that are running AV, playing music, welcoming you. Can we just celebrate taking care of your babies? Man of God prayed before doing the communion. Thank you all so much. Uh, I want to say hello to my family, my good friends that may be watching. Um, and let's get into this. Today, uh, we're going to go to the book of Acts, and I'll read this short passage. Uh, Acts 9, verses 1 through 9. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him to Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Amen is the word of the Lord this morning. So to, to go from Saul having this experience with God to the present moment, I just want to confess something. Um, we're going to talk about Target, the store, not the, the bullseye, the store, because Target is one of my favorite places in the world. And I actually celebrate myself when I go into a Target with a list and I come out of the Target with only what was on my list. It's a means for celebration, somebody. Whoever does their marketing is amazing. But I know the layout, the product quality, how much they got in stock, which one I should go to for every Target between the South Loop and Northwest Indiana. 
Sometimes I go in there just to relax and walk around. So there's this one time a little bit ago when I walked into one of my favorite targets and there was stuff everywhere. Uh, none of the products were where they were supposed to be. The women's clothes were where the hair products were supposed to be. The bathrooms were shut down. I couldn't find my favorite toothpaste. I, I was upset. I was saying to myself that these people have lost their mind because I purposely came to this Target to relax because it's in the high-rent district of the city. And, and I know that they have my stuff. So how am I supposed to do what I came here to do when it's not in the order that I'm used to it being in. And I wonder if Saul was having similar thoughts after he got knocked off his high horse because he was riding a horse. That's where that expression comes from. I wonder if he was thrown off because he was headed to Damascus with certainty about the mission that had laid before him. He knew where he was going, and he knew exactly what he was going there to do. He was traveling a path that was familiar to him. And then in the middle of this familiar thing, something unfamiliar happened that was going to change the course of his life. But between his prior purpose and his new mission, he faced a moment of transition. So, so I want to talk to the people this morning who are standing between what you already knew. You left that behind, but you're standing in the middle of that and what is yet to be. Uh, I want to talk to the folks who are in the midst of a situation and are confused because it doesn't look like what you're used to. And, you, and it doesn't look in the natural like what God has promised to you when you spoke to him. I want to suggest to you this morning that Many of us are in the same place that Paul was on that Damascus road. In the same condition I was in the middle of that Target store that day. You got to look sometimes at what looks like is confusion and disarray. And sometimes you just got to say yourself, pardon the dust, I'm in transition. That's, that's the topic for today. Pardon the dust, I'm in transition. So this text is a familiar story of if, if you've been in church for any period of time, ever been to Sunday school, you've heard this. It's, it's the heading is called Saul's conversion in both Bibles. It's one of the three accounts of how Saul, the Pharisee, the righteous and zealous defender of Jewish law, was converted from persecuting followers of Christ to being a zealous evangelist for Christ. Saul was a learned man. He studied with Gamaliel, one of the foremost Jewish teachers of his time. He'd earned what would be the equivalent of two advanced degrees through his study. And he was sure of his mission to defend Judaism, even if it meant killing people who believed in the teachings of what he thought was a false prophet, Jesus. So after a successful campaign against these followers of the way in Jerusalem, Saul was set to wreak some havoc in Damascus. Verse 1, we see that he was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. Uh, the, the original language actually says that he was making threats and murdering the Lord's disciples. 
So he was not just a dude who talked about it. Paul was about that life. Uh, uh, he was on his way to fulfill what he thought was his purpose. And then he was stopped in his tracks by the very Jesus whose people he was persecuting, just so God could reveal a new purpose. Let's pause here because sometimes we think we have it right. Sometimes we, we went to school and we studied and we got degrees and we graduated at the head of the class and we, start, or we started that job right out of high school. We worked our way from the mail room to manager. Or we fell in love. We're on our way to the altar. And then God showed up. It's funny how we can have a direction, a purpose, a work clearly in our heads and be convinced it's the way that we should take. We may even have the nerve to be good at it. We may even excel at it. Uh, the relationship may even be picture perfect. And then God shows up and says, not this one. It may even be in this direction, it may be, it may even be that this is the direction, the job, the purpose, the person for that season, for that season. Uh, but God has a way of showing up and redirecting your purpose. You thought those degrees were supposed to be for you to climb the corporate ladder. So why did God close the door on the promotion or hand you the pink slip? or tell you to stop that and go back to seminary. Lord, it's just my story. Uh, uh, when you did all that work, you thought Keisha was the answer to your prayers. You thought Kennard was the one. Uh, but the closer that you get and the more time that you spend with them, instead of being the star of your dreams, they're more like the, the main character in your nightmares. God has a funny way of interrupting your plans and redirecting your purpose. So Saul was riding into Damascus on a horse because dignitaries and men of authority such as him rode horses. And there was a certain part of the road to Damascus that was prone to electrical storms. So it wouldn't have been unusual for there to be lightning, but this was not a common electrical storm. It was a supernatural revelation. Saul must have known something was up because he responded, who are you, Lord? Uh, there are some ways that a situation changes that lets you know that what you're in the midst of is not some natural storm. It's an encounter with God. Uh, Saul and his boys all see the light. They all hear God speak. But it was only Saul who saw who was speaking to him. It was only Saul who got full revelation of God's presence. It was only Saul's name that was spoken. Only Saul that was given a new direction. There were people, get this, who had been with him throughout his entire journey during his prior assignment. But when the revelation came, it only came to Saul. So let's be clear. They all heard the voice speaking, but they couldn't see what God was showing Saul. Let's be clear. Jesus, being fully God, could have chosen to reveal himself to them just as he revealed himself to Saul. God could have given them the full revelation of who he was, but he didn't. We need to realize 
that in the midst of transition, we have to stop waiting for the folks who knew us when, who understood our last assignment to get revelation of what God is telling you to do. Uh, stop expecting everybody who walked with you through the last season uh, that they're going to get it, that they're going to see what God is trying to tell you in the next season. Stop waiting for a word from your girl or from your boy or from your frat or from your soror because God has shown it to you directly. Uh, when God reveals God's self to you and gives you an assignment, that is yours. It's not theirs. They can't help you because it's not their vision. Uh, they can't guide you because it's not their assignment. They can't understand because it's not their revelation. They can't explain instructions when they are not the instructors. Rely on the instructor. Even if the instructor, our Lord, puts you in timeout before you get to the next assignment. So in verse 6, we learn the Lord tells Saul to get up and go to the city to await further instruction. He was directed to go to the very place that was, his, that was his original destination, but now he was going there with a new purpose. The people who had journeyed with him may not have seen the same thing Saul saw, but they knew they had an assignment as well. So their part of the assignment was to help guide him to the city where he'd be directed to go. So he got up and opened his eyes, but he couldn't see anything because verse 9 tells us that he was blind for three days and he didn't eat or drink anything. For three days, he couldn't see. For three days, he had to sit with the limited direction that God had given him. For three days, he was sitting, he was waiting. Do you know what it's like to have God stop you when you were carrying out the purpose you thought you were supposed to be carrying out, give you some limited direction about this ain't it, but this is where I need you to go, and then not allow you to see what's next? Saul had to trust that God was leading him into something bigger to walk blindly into an unfamiliar place and just wait. Saul's three days blinded in Damascus were days of transition. You know what a transition is. The dictionary says it's the process or period of changing from one state or condition to another. It is you moving from what you were to what you will be. We know the, the story of Saul's conversion goes on from here. He becomes Paul. He becomes the greatest evangelist the church has ever known. Uh, but you have to wonder what was happening, what was going through his mind as he sat there for three days blind in a place unfamiliar to him, and he could not do anything. What was happening in his moment of transition? I bet you he has some of the same thoughts that many of us have. Many of us have moved as God has told us, and, and we're sitting here waiting for the next direction. I, I know this is where you told me, God. This is what you told me to do, but when is next? I, I, I'm sure I heard your voice. That was you, God, that told me to do this. I'm sure you revealed yourself to me, but what now? 
I don't understand. I can't see what I'm supposed to be doing. God, can you tell me something else? Give me some more direction. And then, because we get uncomfortable with sitting and waiting, moving from what was to what is in this period of transition, we start to try to make our own way. We start to try to navigate to the next place with no direction. We start to move and we haven't received further instruction or further revelation. Now, listen, I'm going to do something, but y'all look out for me, fam, because if I fall off this thing, I love Demetrius too much. I'm not going to sue y'all, but... So doesn't this look dangerous? I, I'm, I'm, I'm moving around. Not real familiar with this stage. I don't want to hear too much. I'm moving. Don't this look dangerous? What's my assignment this morning? What's my assignment? Y'all can talk back to me. Bring the word. Do I need to be moving around here? in order to complete the assignment that was given to me for this moment. Mm-hmm. I ain't go that far. I ain't that crazy. I got heels on. <laughs> but this is what we do. We know what the assignment is for this moment, but we start without further direction trying to grope around and figure out how do we get to the next place. Why would we risk this? Why don't we just sit down and wait until we get the next directive? You know why? Because we're human beings. And not knowing and being in transition does not feel good. It makes us uncomfortable. Everybody is ready. We always talking about grinding and hustling and getting to the next level and all of that. We always talking about that everybody wants to go to the next level, but we want it to be quick. We want it to feel familiar. We want it to feel like we are in control. But you see, I heard the man of God singing. I heard the man of God pray this morning. When we've made the decision to submit to God's direction, the greatest control we have is over how we react to what God directs us to do while we wait. Instead of accepting that God has blinded us for a season, we reason, uh, and a reason, we start trying to find our way out of the blind space. Uh, the next thing we need to know about being in a period of transition is that, it, is that you have to become familiar and comfortable with the unfamiliar. If we think about any other figure in the Bible who has done anything for God, who's received any great promise of God, as they transitioned from the already to the not yet, there was some waiting involved. Uh, Abraham's promise that he would be the father of many nations came when he was 75 years old. He was over 90 when he and Sarah had Isaac. He had to wait. When Joseph was told that he would be ruler over his brothers and ruler over a nation, he went through a journey that took him from slavery to the palace to jail and then eventually to the promise. 
he had to wait. Before Mary had Jesus, uh, she was told what God was going to do through her, uh, and, but she had to carry the promise inside of her until he was born. She had to wait. Transitions turn our lives upside down, and God does not often tell us the full story. In our periods of transition, we have to remember that a waiting time is never wasted time. Uh, when you can't see what, what's next or how you're going to get to the place that God is trying to take you, trust in the Lord. Lean not to your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all you do and then sit your behind down and wait. Finally, when you're in transition, you have to be mindful of how you expend your time and energy. We know that Saul was blind for three days. He didn't eat or drink anything. Whether it was a fast or it was shock that caused him to eat, the word doesn't say. But we do know that as sure as God has a beginning date for a transition period, God has an end date for a transition period. Transition, by definition, is temporary. So don't lose heart while you're going through, but be mindful of how you're spending your time and your energy. Yes, transitions can be messy. Yes, transitions can rearrange and turn your life upside down. Yes, transitions can even be painful at some points. But you can't waste your time and expend your energy wishing for the way things were or trying to push yourself to the way you hope for things to be. God is the author of time. God is the pilot of the ship. God is directing your steps and making plans for you already. While Saul was waiting, God had already made provision to him for him to receive his next assignment through a man named Ananias. God never stopped working on his behalf, but if Saul would have expended energy trying to push his way to the next space while he was blind, he wouldn't have had the energy he needed for the next space, for the assignment. It was a few years ago now. There's a story out of Thailand. It's 12 boys and their soccer coach got trapped inside of a cave. They went to explore the cave after practice, but... And the coach went with them, but the coach ignored the threat of heavy rain. So by the time they got into the cave and they were ready to turn around and leave, they couldn't because the cave was flooded. They had to move to a higher point in the cave in the hopes that somebody would find them. They went to sleep that night in the cave with the coach and he prayed with them. It was nine days later when rescuers found them but they couldn't even get out right away. The way was too narrow to get them all out. So the boys and their coach hadn't eaten. They were getting weak. They hadn't eaten a meal since almost two weeks earlier. Then they had the Thai Navy SEALs that come in to help take care of them and try to help them navigate the way out. So they weren't lost anymore because they had somebody who could guide them who knew the way out. But as more people occupied the cave, as more people tried to get in and help plan an escape route for them, the oxygen levels in the cave started to drop because there's more people taking in the air. 
The rain threatened again to pick up, and the rescuers determined that the only route would be long and treacherous at this point. And during one period in the journey, it will require a lengthy swim. Swimming underwater is not easy to see in the water. Many of the boys couldn't swim. But as their instructors came and said, we know you don't know the way. We know some of you don't have the skills to do this. All we need you to do is listen to us. Follow us because we got you. So they encouraged them, hey, don't talk too much. Don't move too much. Conserve your energy because when we transition from this space, it's going to take you a lot of the energy you have left to move to the next place. It's going to take a lot of the energy that you stored up to move from darkness to the light. It's going to take a lot of the energy to move from confinement to freedom. It was going to take more energy than they knew, but their instructors knew. Uh, so when you are preparing to transition from the already to the not yet, you have to know when and how to experience, expend your energy and resources. You can't afford to waste precious time and precious breath on folks and situations that are not going to help you, guide you to the next leg of your journey. You don't have time to waste going places God didn't tell you to go or doing things that God didn't tell you to do. You don't have money to waste. You don't have energy to waste. Because you see, there comes a time in your transition where waiting is over and it's time to get moving. Uh, there comes a time when God is ready to move you into the next level of your assignment, but you're going to have to use all the energy, all the knowledge, all the resources you had during that period of of time when you were waiting to push those boys in that cave in Thailand were, res were rescued alive because they conserved their energy. Verse 18 of this passage, we, we learn that after Saul meets Ananias and gets full revelation of his purpose, he eats something, he gets his strength back, and then he's ready to take off running with his assignment. Uh, when you realize God has been working in the background and trying to get you to prepare for the next level the whole time, you should get excited. That, that's what happened to me in that Target store that day. So I'm walking around the store, and, and I was frustrated because it looked cluttered, and it didn't look pretty, and stuff was all over the place, and there was dust in places there shouldn't have been dust. I was disoriented. I was displeased with the way things looked, and I almost forgot why I went in there. When I came to my senses, I realized, oh, I need to get something for dinner. So I went to the back of the store where the groceries were, and then I understood what was going on. They had started to upgrade the signage. They were upgrading the shelving. They were upgrading the flooring. I said, oh my God, I was mad because what I saw in the foreground looked like confusion. Uh, there were no signs saying we're changing things around. All I could see up front was chaos. But I'm so glad, glad, glad God led me to the back because the upgrade was starting in the background where I couldn't see it immediately. Uh, the real work was being done in the background. By the time the 
background catches up with the foreground, the upgrade would be complete. I don't know who this is for, but I came this morning to tell somebody that you may feel like you're being broken. It may look like things are out of whack and torn apart. It may look like your life is wrecked and turned upside down, but be of good cheer because we serve a God who is always working in the background. God hasn't forgotten you. Just because you can't see the next step doesn't mean he isn't working out the journey. Just because you haven't gotten the next word doesn't mean God isn't working on your behalf. Just because you, you don't see it, you can't tell. He's working in the background. He's lowering mountains and exalting valleys. God is at the locksmith. He's just at the locksmith getting your keys so you can open the doors that no man can shut. Uh, God is getting you ready. But mind your energy, get comfortable with the weight, and get ready to push to the next level. It's messy in the middle, but hold on. And pardon the dust. You are just in transition. Amen. Oh, oh.